Hey there, welcome to ATL on 29, a Peachtree Hoops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm here with a special guest. We've got Sean Geddes of the Knicks wall on the night after the Cam Reddish trade. And, and I have to say it that way because, you know, that's the most important asset in this trade that I see you smiling because you kind of know that. Oh, I most certainly do. Um, I'd just like to say, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. And also, thank you for Cam Reddish. Like, that was, <laughs> um, it, it feels like a fleece. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, the best way I can put it is there's, there's like a 90% chance that there's a three-week stretch coming where this looks like a horrific trade. I mean, my question is, what's the percent chance, like, that there's, like, a three-month stretch where this looks like a bad trade? But, I mean, to me, it, it, it feels like the Hawks just trying to do something. And so to do something, you, you make a trade with the piece that you're least satisfied with to this point. And I think that was Cam. I mean, he's immensely talented, but I think he has to, like, better play to his strengths. That's the biggest thing. Like, he, he wants to play beyond his strengths sometimes, and I think if he plays to his strengths, I mean, he's got a lot going on. I mean, so when you heard this trade, what did you do? Did you, like, go back and, like, say, okay, I want to go see some Cam Reddish video? Um, I definitely wanted to see some of Cam Reddish. I feel like I've, I already have a pretty good understanding of his game. Of course, not the level that you guys do. Um, but I was very excited about it just on the fact of his defensive potential, his length. Um, you know, right now we have Evan Fournier as our other wing next to RJ, who's been thriving lately. Uh, RJ has been thriving, not Evan Fournier. Um, but having another wing next to him with a lot of length, who has defensive potential and is shooting 38% from three this year. Uh, shooting 38% from three this year is an exciting prospect. So that was cool. And then I was like, okay, wait, who's this for? Because the first uh, we just said that we did it. So I was like, okay, what's it for? Because it's been talked about for the past couple of days. Like, you know, it was, it was there were rumors about it. But uh, I was open to it if it didn't cost us, like, any actual assets that I was concerned about, which is the case. Yeah, Cam, Cam can shoot. He, you know, he's a night, he's shooting nine. I think nine, last time I checked, he was shooting 90% from the free throw line. So like just the raw shooting form that he releases the ball is just amazing. And it's like, you know, when, when, when you see him take a good shot with his feet set, like you expect it to go in as often as you would almost for like any great shooter, like when his feet are set and he's got his balance, whether it's a pull-up, or a catch and shoot. Like if he gets his momentum underneath him and goes and rises into it, like I'm like, oh, that's probably going in. But he has this like immense propensity to just take shots while he's leaning. Um, do, do you think that they're going to put the ball in his hands a lot in New York? Because I felt like that's what he wanted. And, you know, at times it worked, but then there were times where it like didn't work. Hmm. So I don't think he's going to, like, be a primary. I mean, he won't be a primary. He won't be a secondary. Um, we just started getting the ball in RJ's hands, for real. Like, we were – we had RJ standing in the corner like he was Bruce Bowen up until, like, two weeks ago. It was really getting on my nerves. So, you know, I don't really expect that Cam is going to come in and get a lot of creation touches. Um, I would imagine that he's going to start off coming off the bench. And all, with the bench lineup, you know, with the uh, – you know, we're starting Alec Burks, the point guard right now because – 
Tom Thibodeau's allergic to starting Emmanuel quickly. But, um, you know, with uh, Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes, and Cam Reddish, Quentin Grimes is a guy who is really just spot up. He doesn't put the ball on the floor at all, really. Like, there's not really much of that happening. So he's kind of going to be the secondary creator in that lineup next to Emmanuel quickly. So he should get some opportunities to do so. And with those opportunities, if he's effective doing so, then he should get some as well. Uh, if he runs with the starters, he may get some, like, handoff action with Julius. We do that with Fournier some. Um, so if he shows he's capable of doing so, and, you know, I, he seems to be getting to the, he seems to get to the rack pretty well when he does drive. Uh, how do you guys feel about that? Do you know better than I would? He, he does. Um, I mean, it's kind of a mixed bag. Like if he drives, he kind of aborts a lot of the drives at 19 feet and takes a pull up, which is okay, but he does a lot of that like with 18 seconds left on the clock where it's like, oh, wait, no, don't do that. <laughs> but, you know, in other situations, if the guy's backing up and you take that shot, it's, it's a pretty good shot. But yeah, like 30% of his shots are from the mid-range and like he's hitting like 30% of them. So that's, I mean, it's not his strength, but he has, he has a good knack for like Euro steps and reverse layups. And he's gotten better, like, in his first couple of seasons. He wasn't physically strong, so he would get knocked off his line a lot on those drives. And now he's gotten stronger, and he kind of finishes through them better. Um, but he's also not an explosive athlete, so he never really goes above somebody. Even, you know, with he's a, he's a big kid. Like, he's, like, a legitimate 6'8 with, like, a 7'1 wingspan. So you'd think there would be the occasional play where he'd just – go up over somebody and dunk on them, but that happens a whole lot less than he just gets a shot block. So he, he's got to use a lot of craft on those finishes, but he has that kind of craft. Um, the only other thing is he's not the greatest dribbler. Um, he, he, you know, he'll have this occasional flash, but then there's the occasional miscue too, more often than I think that you would want for a primary ball handler, but he's got really good, like, you know, a really good mix of, uh, you know, when he's not making the miscue, he's got a good mix of like rhythm and, and footwork, you know, to kind of do a jump stop or to make a Euro step or to just make a little shift to get by somebody for a Euro, not a Euro, a reverse layup. He's, he's got mm -hmm. a very nice reverse layup kind of game. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's really good. And he, you know, he's really great shooter. Um, it's promising. Like, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a good swing for the fences. I think from the Knicks point of view, cause did they give up a whole lot? Like if I, I can't say that I know Kevin Knox's game all that well, it feels like he was one of those guys that had his best games against. The Hawks. So I feel like my <laughs> impression of him might be better than yours just from, from watching him in those games. But uh, what has been his career trajectory? Uh, so what I will say, a lot of Knicks fans will tell you that we get, I mean, from our perspective, we gave up nothing. We weren't playing Kevin Knox. He's been, you know, like he's, he's just been that guy who's at the edge of the bench. He's been here, he dressed him, whatever it is. Um, but I mean, a change of scenery could be like, so in Kevin Knox's rookie year, we had David Fisdale. Uh, we didn't really have anything else going on. I believe that's the year KP got hurt. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr. was our number one option. So like, Kevin Knox got a lot of touches. He got a lot of minutes. He started every game. He got like 30, 35 minutes. He was a complete turnstile defensively. He didn't move his feet. He never bended his, he, he would never bend his knees, nothing. Um, he didn't hit the boards very well, but you know, he could shoot the ball. 
He can shoot. The, Kevin Knox can shoot, and he's athletic, and he's young. The one positive they gave him on uh, NBADraft.com when he was coming out was his draft age. That was it. Everything else was negative, but he's a very young guy. Um, he can shoot the ball, and he raised his three-point percentage. He had a goal to come out and be a 40% shooter, but in the second year, that was the year all the power forward jokes came. That's when we signed Marcus Morris and Julius Randle. And we had Taj Gibson. We had Bobby Portis. So there wasn't he, – he went from being the guy who's starting and getting 30 minutes every night no matter what to a guy who it's tough to get in the rotation. And he started the season off shooting 40%. He looked better defensively, still not really good. Um, but, you know, he was off to a solid start. He was playing better. We just didn't have enough room for him. Uh, and then as far as so then since that point, most, most Nick fans have written him off. I'm in the very small minority that feels like he's still a capable basketball player that just didn't have minutes. I feel like it's not fair to say a guy can't do something because we haven't seen him on the court in two years. I think he's made some marginal improvements defensively. He's no longer a lot like we just had him out in the court recently because we had nobody because of COVID. So, you know, he made he made some improvements defensively. He's not like lost. Uh, you know, he's, he moves his feet a little bit. He'll close out. He gives effort. He's attentive. I think uh, Tibbs coming in really helped him a lot defensively. I think he probably also put a lot of focus into that, trying to get onto the court. Um, he hits the boards. He makes a good outlet pass. Um, and then as far because you have because you have Trey, I feel like Trey is a perfect person for someone like Kevin because you don't want Kevin Knox to be in your offense trying to create shots or ISO or anything like that. But if you stick Kevin Knox in the corner, he will shoot at a 40% clip. He'll put it up. Like, it, I, I really like whether it was preseason, whether it was the time we had him out there recently, he can give you five for eight from three on a night. If you if he gets enough attempts, he has enough minutes to be out there. So if you guys end up at a point where you need him, he can space the floor for you. Uh, he can run the floor. I think that'll be something good for him. Also playing with Trey. I feel like you guys probably get up and down a lot from what I've seen. So he can get up and down, be unlocked in transition. He's very athletic. He baptized Ben Simmons once. I'll never forget it. Um, so, you know, you just give him opportunities like that to use him marginally. I mean, you know, I feel like you guys, I don't know what the return out there could have been for Cam. Um, that 2022 pick we gave you guys, we got it from Charlotte. And the reason it feels like nothing for us is because we had the 21 pick, the 20, we had 21, 23, and 32, I believe, coming into the draft. And we traded down from 23 and we traded 21 away. And we traded to Charlotte just to, and we kind of punted it like, all right, well, we don't have another pick to make here. So we're just stacking asset. We got, we came out with a great draft hole. So we weren't missing that pick. Um, and then it's heavily protected. Like it can never be a lottery pick at any point. Uh, I think it's like top 18 this year, top 16 next year. top. So, you know, but it's still, a, it's the first round pick, you know, and you got a first round pick for Cam. It may not convey this year, maybe next year, but you got a first round pick for him. You get to try Kevin Knox out. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's going to come there and, give you 20 a game but you know he can shoot and he can dunk like he can do those things he's not he can hit the boards a little bit you can play him as a three or the four um i don't know what your you know deandre hunter's coming back soon correct so he's I mean, back when deandre hunter's back he's back okay you have very little use for kevin knox if you have deandre hunter but i mean between you know whether it's covid injuries things that are going on this year like you might need anybody at any time and kevin knox if you put him on the court he will hit he will hit threes he will put him up and he'll hit them and that's all you can ask for in a pinch, I guess, on top of a first-round pick that you got. So it's not a terrible return, even though because we feel like we gave up nothing, it probably looks a lot worse for you guys. Um, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, there, there could be something like they – Solomon Hill was in the trade. He's hurt. He's out for the year. And he kind of – you know, the Hawks kind of missed him. 
I know he wasn't necessarily a fan favorite because he wasn't a big scorer, but you know, Solomon Hill is a guy that you can, you can put on the Giannis's of the world and have them do a passable job defensively. Um, so the Hawks have missed Solomon Hill a lot. And, you know, they have Gallinari as basically their backup power forward without Solomon Hill around. And, you know, of course, Gallinari gets precedence over Solomon Hill. But, the, you know, so, uh, Gallinari is not like an 82-game-a-season player anymore because he's 34 years old. So you know there are going to be nights where, you know, Gallo gets hurt for a week and he's going to play 60 games in a season. So, you know, I suspect that you know, if there are games where Gallo doesn't play, that, that Knox could fill in as the backup power forward because they drafted Jalen Johnson and I don't think that they're sour on Jalen Johnson, but he's a, you know, a 20 year old kid who played 12 games in college. And I don't think they think he's ready yet. So, you know, Knox could certainly sort of be the, the backup to Gallo if anything happens. And I would fully expect that there's no way that Gallinari plays every game for the rest of the season here on out. So that, that's, that's interesting to hear. I, I'm that's a, that's a solid role. How many, how many minutes does Gallinari play normally? That's a good question. Maybe 24. 26, 24, 26. 24 Kevin Knox is a lot, but yeah, no, I mean, and it wouldn't, if, if Gallinari wouldn't now, it wouldn't be necessarily every minute translates to him. Yeah, of course you'd probably bump up somebody like, you know, if Herder's coming off the bench at that point, then you'd probably, you know, up Herder's minutes and up uh, Bogdanovich's minutes instead. Um, but, but yeah, he, he could be the fill in for like 14 minutes, minutes in, a, in a game where Gallo yeah. doesn't play. Yeah, 15 minutes in a game where Gallo doesn't play as a good role for Knox. And honestly, as one of the few Knicks fans who hadn't completely given up on him, I'm excited to see that for him. I'd be lying if I said like earlier today, I was like, well, you know, I wish him the best in Atlanta. And I was like, wait, hold on. I don't wish Atlanta the best. I have to keep it honest. (laughs) I don't want you guys to be better than us. But I do. You know, I I think he can I think he can thrive in that role. He's not going to come in and save the like, you know, but you guys know that. But I think if you need him in an inch because Gallo can't play. And you need 15 minutes out of him. He can give you 15 serviceable minutes and hit some shots and maybe even earn some more time. I, I, I believe that. My my eye opening moment from, I would say it's probably about a month ago now. You know the the Hawks were one of the earlier teams I think to get completely ravaged by COVID. And there was a game where they didn't have Trey Young. And Cam Reddish. Uh, it didn't necessarily feel like the greatest game in the world for him, uh, but he scored a career high 34 points. And that's, that's a big number. <laughs> and, and, and the thing that surprised me was that, you know, the, the way the post-game media works in, in the COVID, in, in a post-COVID world is, uh, you know, they're, they're coming to the podium for Zoom conferences as opposed to, you know, just going into the locker room. And so it's a finite number of players and they brought out for media that night, Bogdan Bogdanovich and John Collins. And I was like, are they going to bring Cam out? <laughs> After he had 34, they didn't bring him out. For they didn't bring him out. Now I, I know that Bogdanovich and Collins were requested. Uh, some nights, two players come to the podium. Some nights, three players come to the podium. It, you usually get fewer players in a loss. And this was a loss. But I was still a little, that was still an aha moment to me. Like, oh, well, something's not quite right there. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about Cam in the sense that I don't think there was a whole thing a couple of years ago. I think it was Kevin Arnovitz said something about, and I think it was Markel Fultz, like, well, they should bring him to Atlanta because, you know, he can 
Orkan is shooting there and the media is just so friendly and so nice. And there's hardly anybody there that there would just be so little scrutiny for Markel Fultz that he could flourish. And, and, and I'm thinking sort of with that kind of perspective, like, you know, we're kind of a soft media market here. Like we're not, we're not New York. New York is pretty, in my opinion, in New York and Philadelphia, you know, those are some pretty edgy sports media markets. And Atlanta is like this fluffy unicorn land where everybody gets these nice softball questions. And it didn't feel like Cam thrived in that environment. And I'm wondering, is there any, have you seen a case where it just seemed like somebody came to New York and the spotlight was kind of too bright from a media perspective? Um, I, I want to say yes and no, like, but that's also because we haven't like, okay, so it depends on what level, like people who are supposed to be the, like, I don't think it's ever been too big for Julius. Like it's a no, it's annoying to everybody though. Like they're gonna, you know, like, like Julius, we, the other day we won by 20 and Julius had two points and the fans booed him. Because, so that's what the entire story was about. It wasn't about that we won by 20. So that's why I say yes, because it's going to bother anybody because it's just annoying. Right. It's like there, There's always going to be somebody in there. I mean, mainly like we made the trade today and then everybody was talking. Actually, that's what I want to ask you, but I can't forget to ask you because it makes me wonder about Zion. But remind me, don't let me don't let me forget my Zion question. But go ahead. I got you. Yeah, so, you know, Berman is all, no matter what. And all the players know it. Like, at this point, they kind of laugh it off. Like, you know, so it's like if you're – if you understand and, what's and going on – And for people on the Atlanta end that don't know, what did Berman say? Oh, yeah. So he said, uh, oh, everybody's happy. Everyone's cool. Everyone's like, we didn't give up much. We're all celebrating. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, we're, I have sources that say Cam and RJ don't necessarily like each other and that this could be an issue between them or that, like, he could try to push for RJ's spot. And I was like, yo, like – how are you trying to create like a dissension between people who haven't even like this just happened. Didn't even get on the plane yet. He didn't even get on the plane. This hasn't been made official. Like the ink is still drying and you're over here trying to stir up some drama between. It was ridiculous. And it's just like, you're like, he's Mr. Hit piece though. Like that's what he's going to do. But like, if you know that and you're aware of that, it kind of bothers you less. I don't think as some, sometimes I think the New York media should be tougher. I think that people get away with a lot. I think that there's no way that Tom Thibodeau should have been allowed to start Alfred Payton for 74 games last year. <laughs> Nobody yeah, said anything that. to him. <laughs> you know, so it's like the media, like, I think, you know, yes, it's going to be the annoying part. And most of the annoying issues about the New York media, from my personal opinion, I've never been an NBA player that's dealing with it. But I think it's that the widespread from everybody else. Like, you're, you can't do badly in New York quietly the entire world's going to talk about it. Like even that day where we won by 20 and RJ had 32 points on 60%, ESPN did a whole thing about Julius getting booed by the fans. Didn't talk about RJ at all. So like th that narrative is going right. to happen. It's going to snowball. So that could get to people, the overarching, you know, but as far as inside, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to be much of an issue. All right. So the Zion question, do you, do you think that this is uh, some, some, that there's some, hidden value in this trade where the Knicks are trying to uh, reunite the team that lost to Michigan state in the elite eight. I'm going to sound like the zany Nick fan that we all get the reputation of being, but I mean, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't I look think, like he wants to play in new Orleans. 
and that's my reasoning for it. If he was happy in New Orleans, like, you know, I think it's a very, it's the worst kept secret in the league that Zion doesn't want to be in New Orleans, doesn't trust the front office, whatever it may be. I mean, even with him doing his rehab away from the team, like, there's just a lot of tea leaves over there, and I don't bother getting into tea leaves because I spent my entire childhood trying to feel like, oh, LeBron's coming. Oh, this, I, I'm over it. I'm done with that. <laughs> right. I'm not doing it anymore. But, you know, RJ and Zion have always been very vocal about a desire to play together. We now have RJ and Cam. It's not like I'm going to be looking over there every day, but, like, I mean, I don't know if, I mean, most Hawks fans probably aren't privy, but after we played the Pelicans one time, and they lost that game, they asked Zion how he felt about the Garden. And his entire face lit up. And he was like, oh, I couldn't. I, I was hoping you'd ask me this. And he, like, went on to then beam about Madison Square Garden for, like, a smooth, like, minute and a half. It was beautiful. It was one of the more beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. So it just comes down to he doesn't want to be – it's simple math. He doesn't want to be there. There will come a time where he's able to get out or force his way out or whatever it may be. He's going to look at teams that he wants to go to when he's making his list. And he's going to see the two guys that he ran with in college over in New York, hopefully thriving together. RJ looks like he's stepping into that – you know, where he's going to be that guy. Hopefully it's like a consistent thing that happens, but I, I've already believed in it and now I'm starting to see it. So I full, full faith. Um, and then if Cam is able to fit next to him, clearly we traded a first round pick, even though we didn't give up a lot. Like they clearly have investment in Cam. I'm sure they plan to sign him to an extension and keep him here. Like that's, I'm sure that's the goal. So it's like, if those two are on the wings in New York and he loves the garden, where else does he want to go if he doesn't want to be in New Orleans? So that's the thing. That's my, that's my take on it. Very good. Do, am I leaving anything out? Are there any other questions I should be asking about this trade? Uh, let's see. We have there wasn't much involved in it. Um, there was Cam. There was not. <laughs> who said Solomon Hill's out for the season. There's not much to talk about there. I don't know if we'll wave him, keep him. Um, it's very, it's very interesting that we play you guys on Saturday. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, so. and, and you know, if if you look at the team, I think uh, you know DeAndre Hunter is kind of his best bud. So like if if. If Cam starts, I, maybe that's probably not happening in the near future, but there might be some point where... It, it, it's not, because I've been begging for Evan Fournier to stop starting all season, and it hasn't happened, so it's not going to happen <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure why the Knicks did that. That was kind of... I, I didn't like that move. I'm not going to lie. I tried to be optimistic, but I've given up. It's over. I'm, but he, he hit shots this week, so... I'm, I mean, he can hit thing. shots. But he wasn't doing that. He had he has like 15 games this season out of 42. And this is considering last week he scored double digits every game. He has 15 games of single digits. That's why we're so angry. If you hit shots, I'll get over the fact that you don't play the defense. I didn't expect you to. But if you don't play defense and you don't hit shots, I need you off the court. Fair enough. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do this, sir. I appreciate you having me. I'm honored. Thank you again. Have a good night. You as well.